one. Check, check. We're on. Hey, buddy. Merry hey. belated Christmas. Happy early New Year. We've been uh, kind of laying low on the Dog Sports Live, but you've been doing stuff uh, everywhere, breaking news, doing interviews, and uh, it's been pretty cool. So bring us up to speed. Where are we? Uh, where are you right now? What are you thinking? JT and George headed down to Miami, and uh, we got the both the offensive and defensive coordinators in their pressers today, and um, not a lot of news. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I noticed like a few people uh, tweet at me or kind of like subtweet. Like I, I put a tweet out last night, as you know, that was just like, hey, you know, some things I think have changed a little bit uh, behind the scenes. And the situation for months and months, everyone I talked to was just like, JT's not, you know, he's not really getting any reps in practice with that are significant. And there's not much of a chance of him playing and you can just kind of not worry about it and put it to bed for a while. So that's what I did. And I think I was pretty vocal about encouraging people to not waste their energy worrying about it. Um, I do want to point out before I say anything else that I've been somebody that I think has been a Stetson defender for a lot of the year. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to be like realistic about what he is and isn't, but there were some stretches of the season where he was playing really well and, he deserved to be under center. And, um, you know, I think that I pointed that out. I know there's some in the fan base that have just been like critical of everything he does. I definitely have not been one of those people, but, um, yeah, I, I did not think, uh, you know, if you'd asked me on Christmas day, like, is there anything that has changed dynamic wise in the quarterback room? I would have told you no, uh, over the last 48 hours, a lot of people that I talk to um, that are, you know, very, very close to the program and are in positions to know these things have said that that's, that's no longer the case. Like JT is uh, very much an active part of what's going on with this game plan in a sense. Um, I think that we are in a situation where like, I, I will go ahead and say he took, a significant amount of first team reps in practice today. Um, I know that some of the, you know, pay sites out there have tried to like squash that rumor and that's just, it's just not true. Like that, right. that is, that is the case. He has been taking, you know, he has been splitting reps with Stetson. Uh, I still think that Stetson is going to walk out as the starter on Friday um, at this very point in time, like at this moment at, you know, you, 1045. I'm sorry. Do you, do, uh, let me just jump in just because uh, I think um, people want to know, do you think there is a scenario where Stetson or excuse me, that JT played significant minutes versus Michigan? Um, Yeah, I do. Uh, I think that, you know, one of two ways that happens. One is that Stetson maybe just doesn't come out and have his best day. Like, I do not think that Georgia is going to just ride it out with Stetson. If he is struggling, like we have seen them do at times in the past. Like, I think that if he is not playing well, Georgia is going to make whatever they have to make to have a productive offense in this game. And same goes for vice versa. If Stetson is playing well and JT, you know, never sees the field or whatever, then 
like whatever is going to work, I think is what Georgia is going to do. But I think that there is a distinct possibility that we could see him in some certain packages or some certain situations or something of that nature. Um, there's part of me that feels like that's a little wild to think about in a college football playoff semifinal, like possibly seeing some sort of uh, quarterback rotation or whatever. But situationally, there's there's things that he does well that sets and doesn't and vice versa. So I do think that there is possible – like. I don't want to say I expect him to go out and take, you know, X number of snaps or anything like that. But um, at this point, like you don't give somebody snaps a couple days before a college football playoff game, unless you expect them to be part of your game plan or anticipate that they may, you know, come in in certain situations. I think it's an all hands on deck situation and they're prepared for anything just like, you know, game elimination game and, and the, in in baseball. So um, I, I, I do ex- suspect that uh, Stetson is going to get a chance to make, you know, to start the game and, and, and play significant most of the, the first half, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to, to see JT come in there because they know, I think everyone knows every single person knows no matter what they've tweeted, what they've said in press conferences or what they said on in their hearts that they know that there's a there's a distinct possibility that we're going to need better quarterback play should we get a rematch with Alabama and I think that that you know Stetson and JT are going to play on on Saturday night or excuse me Friday night and I'm looking forward to it anything yeah uh, uh, we we've talked about that anything you want to add before we start getting into to sort of the Michigan preview I mean what I want to add is just like no matter what happens and no matter how this plays out, like I, I do think that, you know, people have been unfair towards Stetson Bennett at times this year. And like, no matter what your opinion is on this, you have the right to have that opinion. But uh, I do like hate, you know, hearing that the kids walking around with a flip phone to try and like avoid all the negativity when he's the quarterback of a team that's 12 and one and is one of four teams that's, got a shot to win a national title this year like he has done a lot of very good things and he has helped georgia get to this point how this plays out over the next couple games because like i do think there's also the very possible scenario that stetson is enough to beat michigan and georgia comes out and things just roll well and then we maybe see something different in a potential rematch against alabama like i think that there's a lot of cards on the table well i think the you know the mlb playoff analogy you made is is very good and you know uh probably appropriate but no matter how it plays out like you know they're they're all kids and they're doing their best and i think that we are all served well served to remember that um when we talk about the situation all right we're gonna circle back on that because we've there's a lot to be said and we won't take all your time tonight but uh those are you're 100 right on all that it just you know, you no one wants to see a scholarship player or walk-on player feeling bad about doing his best. And everyone, I, I do, I do think he's got the support of the majority of the fan base. But the majority, yeah, totally. majority of fan base wants to beat Alabama too. So um, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, Michigan, the number two team in the college football playoff, they are they've kind of built. Um, you know, they had a a kind of a tough loss against Michigan State. They played outplayed. Played the uh, Spartans, but they gagged it up at the end. But after that, they beat their arch rival Ohio State, and they've earned the number two seed in the playoff. All that to say is they've been building towards this. 
the entire season was is was not added to them. They came out of nowhere. I think they had a seven or eight, maybe I think it was eight uh, win total for the season, and they blew past that. And here they are. So you've looked at the tape. They've got the uh, one of the Heisman runner-ups, Aiden Hutchinson, on the defensive end, and Jabu on the other side, which are two. I guess they're two most talented players and then they've got McNamara sort of a um kind of a game manager quarterback but they've got some but they led the uh co- they led college football in rushing so they're kind of built yeah. and I've, I've seen this analogy a bunch they're kind of built like a like a UGA team that we've seen yeah. a lot of so all right jump in I'm gonna throw some stats up here on the the, this is our offense versus the deep Michigan defense this 36 percent success rate allowed is like 12th in FBS um, which is pretty good. Um, they're averaging 4.9 yards. But this is a very similar numbers to Alabama, honestly, defensively speaking wise, their explosiveness is, is right there with Georgia. Um, but that just tells you that, that they don't give up a lot of plays defensively. And those ones that, that they do give up aren't super uh, explosive, but uh, jo- all right, talk to me some more about um, what you've studied and looked at on this Michigan D. Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're very sound, like fundamentally, they're very assignment sound. Uh, I, you know, the edge rushers you've already mentioned are very good. I do think there's not maybe the team speed that you see in the SEC, uh, particularly at the linebacker and safety positions. The defensive backs, I think, are good college DBs. They're athletic. Um, I personally think probably their best player on defense very well may be uh, Dax Hill, who's kind of their – he sort of goes back and forth between that nickel spot and some some sort of safety looks. Uh, former five-star guy. He will be a, a high-round NFL draft pick here in a, in a few months for sure. Um, but I, I think there's some things you can do to take advantage of them. And statistically, it's like you go back and look at their schedule and it's like who's the best quarterback they played this year? You know, besides, like C.J. Stroud – Ohio State was able to have some success. Uh, didn't always cash in in the red zone, but really, like, I think Ohio State's defense lost that game more so than their offense. But you go past that, and it's like the best quarterback they played this year was Sean Clifford, maybe? Or, see, I mean, um, you, you already know. said CJ Stroud, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides him, though, it's like th- this defense is good. But I just, you know, I think they haven't really played like a, any super well-balanced attacks. They have not played anybody that has the, the athletes or the number of athletes that Georgia does on offense. Um, yeah. I, I think that, like, they can do some things to give Georgia problems, but I, I don't know that they are as good from a matchup standpoint as they are maybe, like, statistically or on paper. Um, I was on with uh... – Ed Fang, who runs the Power Rank, our friend over at thepowerrank.com, uh, last yeah. night on a podcast. And I should have shouted that show out before now, but Ed's super smart. He, he He's a Michigan, sort of adopted a Michigan as his, as his team. He didn't go there, but he lives in Ann Arbor and stuff. And he talked about sort of, uh, you know, that there wasn't a lot of explosive uh, offenses they played. I mean, honestly, you know, if you throw out the record and look at what Nebraska did offensively statistically, they were probably yep. one of one of the better teams. And they actually had a quite they kind of had a bad half against both uh Michigan State and Nebraska. They got the Nebraska win, but um they kind of fumbled around in the second half. But you know, that offense might have been 
their second best uh, best offense they faced. Washington was supposed to be better than they were. Obviously, they had a super disappointing year. Yeah, they were uh, pretty but, awful. But and but that game they had against them was not they they didn't uh, pass the ball at all. Uh, they just ran it. That's we're talking about the the offense there. Yeah. But but that's like, probably- I'm I'm gonna say a lot of really nice things about Michigan, and they're all warranted and they're all true. But like you know, just thinking of the world that we live in. And, you know, the horrible place that Twitter is like, how do you think people would talk about this Georgia team if they won a three point game against Nebraska, put up 29 points on Indiana, um, you know, won 21 to 17 against Penn State, who ended up finishing the year unranked and wasn't that good. Like, you know, what I mean, it's just there's not as much to it as I think a lot of people want to make no i mean i I, you know looking at the stats i mean they're 44 percent success rate on offense they've got a really good defense uh that's carried them you know they're they've they're leading the country in rushing it's like we said it's the the georgia of of 2017 now can they get over the hump and can that young quarterback you know win two games in the college football playoff we'll see but he's gonna have to go through the best defense and you know even even after looking at the Alabama game, you know, who that, that defense was uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically bad. He, they're not going to be, he's not going to get that defense again. So he's going to have to prove no, it. No. And I mean, well, even if he did, Michigan is not, they're not equipped to do the things to Georgia that Alabama did. Like they don't have those types of athletes. They do not have, like, they, if that's not what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like there's not, uh, the type of dynamic speed at wide receiver. There's no, definitely not a Jamison Williams, but there's not even a John Mechie. Um, flip side is, is the running game. And we're going to, you know, we're going to get into some, some film and talk about all that. But like, uh, I don't think it's kind of unreasonable to, to sit here and say it's, I know we've talked about the Alabama game for a month now, like Georgia as a fan base has, but like, it's time to throw that out the window. Cause we watched Georgia play 13 games this year, and you can either choose to believe that the 12 prior to Alabama were the anomaly or the, the one out of the sample was the anomaly. After watching the tape, I choose to believe that, you know, the one that happened on December 6th was the anomaly and that the other 12 was more indicative of what this defense really is. All right, let's get into the Michigan defense. Uh, I've got the uh, Michigan State game coming up. Is that what you've got on your rundown here? Yep. Um, So, yeah, Michigan State showed early that play action and pocket motion is a really good way to neutralize the threat of Aiden Hutchinson and David Abo. So, like, I think misdirection is really important against this team, and you're going to see it a few times here as we kind of go through. Um, but like rolling the pocket like this, that's something that Georgia has done a lot with Stetson this year. They can do it with JT as well. And then you see in this run play, like they use the H back to come in and neutralize the, the D lineman there. And I thought Michigan state did a good job of giving those edge guys, different looks in the blocking scheme that just kind of kept them from being able to pin their ears back and tee off on one-on-one matchups. And that's something Georgia does in their run game a lot too. Um, Here you're going to see like Hutchinson lined up to the right side of Michigan state's line. So they go stretch to the left. I don't think Ojabo is a great pass rusher. 
he is not great at setting edges on defense. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable saying that. Like, I, I think that he's he's a great pass rusher. I don't think he's great against the run. I think that Georgia can do things with Sawyer and uh, uh, McClendon at the tackle position, depending on where he's lined up. Um, so, yeah, kind of moving into this next play, like what you cannot do. Um, pick out. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's the same play. My bad. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So if you kick out the ends, you can gut Michigan inside. The DTs aren't bad, but they're not disruptive. Um, and then, yeah, like this is the type of opportunities that I think Georgia can take advantage of, especially Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Just, there are holes in this defense. Michigan plays a lot of zone in the back end. And, you know, in, in all of that, there's times where guys just kind of get lost a little bit. And sometimes they play some of these kind of match match concepts in the secondary and you can sort of run guys out of the play. So if the pocket's breaking down, I think there will be opportunities to to run up the field. All right, this is 29 here, just to keep make sure we're on. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Um, cool. So, I mean, like, here you see there's plenty of time to throw. Like, Michigan State had plenty of time to throw in a lot of junctures of this game. And I bring that up just because I, I feel like what happened against Ohio State and, you know, Hutchinson being a Heisman finalist and all this stuff, like, there's become this idea that these defensive ends are just – world beaters they're very very good but like they're not gonna break this game against mcclendon and sawyer in my personal opinion so uh sorry to kind of go on a rant there i know that you're trying like that we're moving through plays but it just feels important to mention no that that they're two stud players and that's kind of what i you know even just pulling these plays and stuff it's like they're they're two guys but you can scheme around them and, and the defensive ends can't you know, they're not going to drop back in coverage. You know, there's, you know, and we've talked about it all season and even last year about Monken's got a plan B for their plan A. And so if you're telling me that as good as Ajabu and Hutchinson are, that, you know, that there's places we can attack and they're not as strong behind them, then that's that's good news for a Georgia fan. Yeah, for sure. That's, right. I, I'm with you. Um, 33? Yep. So, like you'll see Michigan's defensive tackles. They're not that great. Um, and so it allows you some opportunities to kick runs out like this. And you're going to see this a lot. Like I think getting to the outside against this defense can be important. Um, it, you know, that is like speed is the, the thing that will break this defense. Like this is what speed can do to this defense right here. It's very uh, James Cook type of game right like you know kind of get through the the line of scrimmage and then break things outside when you're hitting the linebackers in secondary one thing i love that michigan state was able to do to these guys uh in sort of some third and short and fourth and short situations instead of just trying to run into the teeth they did a lot of stuff play action wise georgia's used a ton of play action this year i would expect them to take some shots in some short yardage situations with some heavy tight end sets uh here again Getting the ball out on the perimeter, I think, is is huge. Um, I you know I, I think that like Georgia needs to let running backs touch the ball in the passing game in this in this situation. The weakness of this Michigan defense is lateral speed, 
and Georgia can take advantage of it with Cook, McIntosh, uh, screens out on the edge with the McConkeys and Burtons. And, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of things they can do out on the perimeter in this game. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry. I lost my spot. 59. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So Aiden Hutchinson, right. Uh, like he can do this though. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is just a clean, like come off, come around, draw a holding penalty and make a sack at all at the same time. So I'm not saying, He's not great because he's great, but uh, he's not, you know, I, th- I think Georgia will have answers for him and things they can counter with. And then, you know, Ajabo can do this. Um, so it's it's definitely worth looking at. It's definitely something you have to pay attention to. And then Hutchinson's on top of the ball there. So, yeah. Um, that was, uh... I, yeah, like, it, yeah, just you can't get in a third and long against this defense, though, is really my point. Um no obvious passing downs can be allowed and with the corners. I think the corners are athletic, but they can be fooled by comeback routes, double moves, stop fades. Uh, pretty, you know, normal for college corners. Yeah. If that ball, if that ball's thrown better, that's a, the first down there. I mean, he actually caught it. Uh, oh, he did. So I know. Yeah. It's weird, but he did catch it. Um, it was ruled a catch. And then the next play they're they're right there. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's things they can do. Again, here, though, you see third and short, if you'll go back a play. Yeah, like, or I'm sorry, fourth and four, Michigan State just says screw it and goes for the jugular, hits the one-on-one matchup. You see the safety there, number five, um, or number two, I'm sorry, Brad Hawkins. He's going to try and come across, but he's just not fast enough to get from the hash over there through that corner uh, and I think that that's a big, that's a big deal in this game. Like he's not quite, they're just not that fast at safety. And I think you can take advantage of some cover two looks and some cover one type things they do and, and have one-on-one matchups where you can go downfield and they will stay one-on-one matchups without safety help affecting the the ball. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and then kind of going back to the theme Getting outside, you can get outside on Michigan in the run game. Like I know that this is Kenneth Walker the third, and he is very special, but so is James Cook. Like Georgia's got running backs that have this type of speed. Uh, this is a very well blocked play, but you see there, like against an SEC team, that guy coming over that's going to dive at Walker's feet right here. Uh, that's, that's probably a tackle and on this Michigan defense, it's not, you know, there's just a, a half step slower. Um, and then, yeah, a great way to neutralize Hutchinson is right here. So getting behind him in the passing game with these types of sw- swings, uh, Ohio state did it a couple times and it was, you know, really effective for him. Um, Hutchinson did, you know, have a bunch of sacks in this game, but Ohio State got very one-dimensional in this game as well. And, uh, yeah, like, I think – oh, yeah, that that play – so that's that's on Dax Hill, who I was talking about earlier. Uh, I think he's the best guy in the back seven of this D, but uh, agile wide receivers that are good run, route runners can create space against him. I think a lad or, a, or Jermaine Burton can make some plays against him. So – yeah, like Ohio State, you know, going back and looking at these games, 
Ohio State got pushed around up front all day and had zero rushing attack, but they still moved the ball well in the passing game. Um, it's just once those DNs could tee off, you know, it was throw for 20 yards, get sacked for an eight yard loss. You know what I mean? And it, and, and they just didn't convert in the red zone. But the thing that Michigan State did when they got down, you know, by three possessions in that football game is they never stopped running the ball. They never abandoned the run. And they kind of – they stuck with their game plan and just trusted their defense, and uh, that worked out well for them. So I think there's a little bit of message there for Georgia of, you know, if you're going to attack this defense, you have to continue delivering those body blows to them because they are good and they are physical up front, but they are not deep like Georgia is in terms of D-line rotation of, like, game-breaking dudes that are that are backups and non-starters and – things of that nature. So I think that is a thing that I'll be looking for. Um, I don't expect Georgia to like, I don't expect this to be the type of game where you could see Georgia down, you know, 14 points or something like that. Um, That would surprise me tremendously, but even if they are like, they cannot go into, you know, every down we're passing tight mode because they're going to get eaten alive by these DNs if they do that. Well, you know, I guess we're about to jump into the offense, but what Georgia is planning to do is put pressure on on this on the quarterback, right? Uh, are we are we ready to move on into the offense? Because I just had a, a I just kind of like ADHD on you right there, hardcore, and just jumped in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and Ed, you know, I've, I'm going to show a stat here um, where. Uh, this is the uh, I made a Twitter post about this, you know, talked about how, you know, bad actually Bennett was under pressure with 50 percent accurate and, you know, just a 32 percent completion or 30.2 percent completion rate on contested throw or um, or pressured throws. And, and McNamara was pretty well. And, and Ed talked about it. You know, this is actually good news. If you how a stats person looks at this, that, you know. There, there's he, he doesn't expect Stetson to be that bad under pressure. You know, he's going to regress towards the mean, and and McNamara's probably played above his 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 potential there, and that uh, any kind of regression is probably going to be to Georgia's benefit. So that's probably true. Yeah, I mean, that kind of blew my mind that he's a he's a Michigan guy, and he thinks that that's probably bad news. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it is it is interesting because you know, like you know, we, everyone's talked about. You know, we did not get pressure on Bryce Young in the SEC championship game. We were kind of wondering and scratching our heads why we didn't send more guys or did not get home more. So I don't think you know that's going to be the 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 defense, the branded defense we're going to see on on Friday night. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I'll say, you know, kind of upon the rewatch of that game, Georgia got pressure at times, like enough pressure to affect Bryce Young's throws and create, you know, stops basically, create incomplete passes or or plays that were for two or less yards. But they never converted that pressure into sacks. And uh, especially against a team like Michigan, if you can create a sack, your chances of getting off the field are extremely, extremely high. Um, what they do well, like they score from far. They're not the type of team that I think can drive the ball down the field on Georgia, just five yards at a time. But the flip side of that is, you know, they're, they're reliant on big plays to score touchdowns. Um, they are also though, a team that like, if it's third and 18 or second and 20, they're going to have a hard time finding a path out of that 
when it's obvious what's coming. They are very, I think, reliant on putting you in run pass conflict and and not being predictable in terms of what's coming. Yeah, I mean, and I've got our defensive line sort of stats up here, and you can see that Walker and Smith, Wyatt, Carter, Davis, and have all gotten significant pressures. I mean, it comes from everywhere. It's not just a couple of studs and it's not just, you know, Jordan Davis, which is everyone's, you know, the name that everyone knows on the Georgia defense. I mean, we can get pressure right. with a lot of different guys. So I think it, that it, again, that's what we expected to see against Alabama. And I, I, I hope to see it against Michigan. Yeah, 100%. And I think that you will see, uh, you know, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit, but it's like, I think there's some things that Georgia can take advantage of to get pressure against Michigan. I also think that, um, you know, I guess Bryce Young, when you don't get pressure, it's over. Like, yeah, and Michigan is is a good offense, but they're not going to make you pay the way that that a Bryce Young. Will. Yeah. All right, uh, into the offense. Uh, let me catch up here. Uh, Ohio State eighteen. Is that what you've got? Uh, I've got Michigan, Michigan State, clip nine. Mm, all right. Watch this. Um. There we go. Yeah. So this is what McNamara does well right here. Accurate throws in stride, short to intermediate range that let his guy run free after the catch. Uh, this is Andrell Anthony. He is a freshman wide receiver. He is not really a starter, but he's probably the, the Michigan wide receiver that scares me the most on tape. Um, but yeah, man, like that, you know, that's the type of play right there. It's just accurate. And you get caught with the slower guy in man coverage, and all of a sudden it's 80-something yards or 90-something yards. Right, I, the house. I showed this on my little pressure clip. I don't know if this counts as pressure, but this is, this is you know, he's got guys in his – that is not – I don't know. Is that a clean pocket? But it just yes. – that's a, that's a clean pocket? Still, yeah. still an impressive throw. I mean, it, it – Oh, yeah, it's a great throw. But, I mean, like, he's able to step up into that throw and, you know, like they're – He's also able to let that route develop until his guy, you know, has come yeah. all the way back across the formation in front of him. And you'll see them run that play a lot. They like to bring, you know, the the guy, you know, from the opposite hash back across the formation and try and hit him on kind of like a, a deep slant slash crossing pattern. And then, you know, this is also Anthony right here. He can go up and do this. So that's the guy that, I think Georgia needs to to have an eye on. Um, but the bread and butter of this offense is the run game. It's where it starts and finishes. Uh, look at the left side of this offensive line right here, man. This left tackle kicks out the edge guy. These guys, everybody's trying to climb to the second level. There's a huge hole here. And Haskins, you know, takes advantage of it. Easy seven, eight-yard gain. Um Haskins is a bruiser, man. 796 of his 1,288 yards came after contact this year. So impressive stuff. Um, yeah, here one more time. I'm sorry. Uh, or, yeah, showing the Ohio State play again. The next one. Watch this left tackle. Right. Which which number are you on? This, this one right here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, watch this left tackle move the Ohio State defensive lineman all the way back across the formation. Boop. Like he literally just washes this dude all the way out of the play. Uh, Ryan Hayes, left tackle. So 
they, I mean, like that's the identity, right? And it's very 2017 Georgia-ish, like we were talking about, like lots of, uh, lots of, lots of, you know, counters and pulls, lots of blocking schemes that are involved. These guards and tackles moving around, coming off the edges, pulling back around the formation. So, um, it's, it's very like assignment oriented and they're very good at what they do. And that's one, you know, they won the Joe Moore award. Um, Haskins has more yards than Blake Corum. Uh, but I think that Blake Corum is, is more. What clip are you on? Uh, I'd pause it because we, you were still talking about running backs. And the next one I got is Mc, uh, McNamara uh, clip 17 or Michigan versus Michigan state clip 17. Okay. I'm, I'm on. Do you have 98 and 16? Yep. Okay. We'll go back to those. Here's a 98. Cool. Yeah. So Blake Corum is the, the kind of second running back. Oh yeah. You already showed this. My bad. Um, but he is more, I think he's more dangerous. He's the home run hitter. Like he'll break big runs. He averages more yards per carry. He was hurt the last month of the season. Otherwise he's a, you know, 13, 1400 yard back in his own right. So keep an eye on him. Cause he worries me more than anyone and he's healthy now. Um, if you want to disrupt this run game, the the best opportunity to do so is at center and guard. Um, I'm on 16, Michigan, Michigan State, clip 16. So I think that's good. Yeah. Like, I think it's good news for UGA um, just in the sense that, like, that's the strength of this, this entire team is that, the interior line of this defense. Yeah, so. that that the center's played all season. I'm not sure if he was the the designated starter. He's got 850 snaps, but that's a guy that's going to be lined up against Jordan Davis. Yeah, uh, and you know he's obviously a veteran. He's you know he's hasn't obviously been healthy all year, but that's going to be a huge matchup if if Georgia can get home and can and can beat them at this. At, that's the one of the critical points is not having to send extra guys, especially on run stops. I mean, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Davis rotates out a lot um, on pass plays, but you know, that that's a matchup. I like as good and as veteran as their center is Duvardis or whatever his name is, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, it is, uh, yeah. The uh, Stardust. The Stardust. Um, strong, like strong Midwestern stock. Yeah. Sure. I, I like that. That's a check mark for Georgia uh, center versus our nose guard. I mean, Jordan I Davis is obviously a beast. So uh, I do think that if they're going to run between the tackles and I, you kind of brought up a point about they do a lot of pulling, they they move a lot of their guards around and that's kind of where our linebackers can attack on those when those guys are on the move and stuff. I just think that we are going to continue with our, our strong def, you know, run defense. I mean, Alabama didn't get a whole lot going on the ground. No. So yeah. I, I I like I kind of like you know we've talked about it you know this is the matchup that kind of suited the Georgia to lick absolutely. our wounds absolutely yeah to lick our wounds are best uh, well so. and I mean going back to the pulling thing like Kentucky is the team that Georgia faced this year that does the most similar things to Michigan just from a concept standpoint and a scheme standpoint in the run game and you know you saw how that went for them um, they came into that game leading leading the SEC in rushing. I think they were one of the top rushing teams in the nation, and they left with, like, a, a couple yards of carry average. So uh, I think that, you know, 
what happened in that game is Georgia was able to just knock those pullers off the ball before they ever even got into really the play. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this all plays out, but I think it, it bodes very, very well for Georgia. Like this is what you want if you're looking for a, a team to match up well with, if you're UGA. Um, I'm on clip 17 McNamara's third and short throw yep. here. So he is, yeah, you're going to see this kind of timing pattern uh, out to the, the flat to his right. And he's really good at throws like this. And third and short is really problematic against this offense because the way this team runs the football, uh, your linebackers have to be ready to fill on the interior. But if you're safety, go back to that previous play, please. Um, yeah, so you see here pre-snap, the linebackers, on, you know, kind of inside the play. Um, and your safety – you can't cheat him up because you need help if they decide to run the ball up the gut and you need those linebackers and that slot DB kind of close to the line in case they run the ball. So you just give away outside leverage to the flat and that's an easy first down. And that's what this offense does. Like the running game is so good that it creates easy opportunities in the passing game, especially in these kind of, you know, third and, third and one to four situations where they are a legit threat to go and run the ball. Um, you, you really kind of, your hands are tied as a D coordinator as to where you want to put your resources. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I think you, you, you just keep the play in front of you and not give up explosive plays like you did against Alabama and, you know, you live to fight another day. If they get a first down and they complete a pass, and that's what you do, but you can't give up the slots and guys running over the middle for 30 and 40 yard gains when, you know, a first down is not going to be. Yeah, yeah, up. yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree. It's just, you know, just kind of trying to illustrate the challenge they present of like, it's, I don't think it's team that you can always like, like maybe Georgia can, but in terms of how they got to this point in the season, um, they're too difficult to just play straight man against in the box and, you know, not, not bring extra numbers in. Cause if you don't do that more often than not, you're going to get killed. And uh, I think maybe with Georgia's D line talent and inside linebacker talent, they're able to neutralize that threat, but I am interested to see how they're going to kind of approach some of those third and short situations. Cause I don't know, like, yeah, you're right. Like giving up a, a seven yard play or a five yard play does not, you know, that's not the ball game by any stretch of the imagination. But I think what's key is keeping them out of those third and short situations. Like first and second down in this game for both teams is so, so important because I don't think either of them are very good in third, third and seven plus. No, we know we're not as good as we'd like to like to be. Um, all right. They've got a tight end too. Apparently you're telling me. Yeah, and he worries me a lot, Eric All. Uh, he's a big body. He's good in run blocking, but he's also got good enough speed and hands to do this. And you cannot let a tight end uh, like this buy you easily when you see him. Like, he, he's busting blocks all of a sudden. He's going to, you know, break down and put a move on you. Uh, it, it's a conundrum. Like, this next play, you're going to see they do this really beautiful delay design to him where he's going to – oh, wait. Nope, that's not the next play. Uh, do you have 68? Yeah. 
is a 68 here. Yeah, so you see him just kind of slip out like that, and yeah, like he's he's blocking, and it's just a little delayed release, but that's kind of tricky. You know what I mean? Um, especially when you're playing zone, and all of a sudden he's got a big space, and that's an easy easy first down. So I don't know if they'll run that against Georgia or not, but he's just he's a versatile weapon. He's a very good blocker, and he's a he's a good enough receiver, basically. Um, I'm on 39. Is that where you are? Yep. Here comes a. Yeah. So this is the problem with playing zone against these guys is you leave these running backs able to, to work into the flat and you don't want these guys with the balls in their with the ball in their hand and in space. So I think Georgia needs an aggressive game plan in this game. Like I think that they need to, to come out and, and try and sort of force the issue with these guys. Uh, McNamara is late a lot and it's coming up it goes 49 yeah if he's late over the middle against georgia i think you could see one go the other way like he makes that play but that ball should have been thrown a second second and a half earlier um so something to keep an eye on you can see number nine and you're closing in on there yeah and that's that ball is late under and under so that's that could have been even bigger play than it was yep and then in third down situations He's often looking for his tight ends. This is his other tight end, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, they do a lot of two tight end sets. Like these teams are very, they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Um, Georgia does as well. But yeah, he's a cerebral guy, man. Uh, McNamara, like he will see matchups at the like pre snap, you know, linebackers on wide receivers, those types of situations. If you're Georgia, you have linebackers who can run with a lot of Michigan's wide receivers, like legitimately. But uh, you get my point of just he he will recognize what's going on pre-snap. He is also prone to pre-reading defenses and deciding where he's going to throw the ball. And that's what you see right there. And so I think that Georgia can do some things to show him matchups that he would like pre-snap and disguise coverages and switch into different looks and possibly force turnovers. (laughs) Yeah, it was a horrible decision. It was very, very (laughs) – but then the rest of that game he played like outside of his mind so yeah you know it's college football man <laughs> um, yeah so uh miss tackle miss tackles or take bad angles at the point of attack and this is what will happen to you against michigan um you've got to tackle fundamentally georgia does but yeah you cannot um like you if you get your hands on a guy you got to make down. plays. Yeah, you can't be coming. You can't come in shoulder first against these dudes and just try to knock them over. That's not going to work. Um, and you cannot leave your a gaps unattended against this offense either. Like what Mich- uh, what Ohio State did on defense against Michigan was a war crime. For the record, like they it was horrible. Um, and Georgia, but Georgia will have to play like a sound assignment football on Friday night. You know, if you try and cheat on the DL, they will make you pay for it. And uh yeah, Mo, yeah this man. is this is number ten. If you're if yeah, yeah. I just like I liked the reverse angle. I thought it was sweet. Um but yeah, you I mean you see here like he whiffs. Oh uh, he, he just yeah. Ohio State was not a good defense, as we learned. Right. Uh, right. But I mean, you know, they're Michigan's also they're they're eager. They're gonna get up on the second level and work with you um they did a lot of this against ohio state and this is uh 
just Sorry. getting the ball. No, no, you're good. Same, like you're going to see this guy kind of come on a similar end around. Like they will try to get him out on the edge a lot. Um, number three, I forget what his name is. Um, yeah, this is a trick play here that I think some of the, I think maybe Lewis talked about, you know, your eye discipline here. Um, yeah. And they did a lot of these. I think a couple, we didn't, we're not going to have the Ohio, uh, Iowa game, but they did a couple of these too. They did. Uh, yeah. Halfback passes and yeah, all that. And I mean, I think the thing with like Georgia's not, that's, that doesn't like, that's not going to work against Georgia. Um, the lateral quickness is too good. Like Channing Tindall comes around and you stand up with pieces of yourself in his face mask. If you try to run that against Georgia in a lot of situations. And uh, I think that the, God, what is his name? Number three, Brandishing. Um I guess it's not that important, but. Uh, Wide receiver? Wide yeah. Receiver? Yeah. It's all good. Who is it? Uh, I had it earlier. Saristi Baldwin. I don't have their numbers up here. Anthony. Hold on. Henning. Is it Henning? No. It is uh, not Henning. It is, it is Henning. I'm sorry. A.J. Henning. Yep. Yeah. You got it. it so, exactly yeah, right. Like, he, actually, a lot of... he actually has two or three rushing touchdowns, but no receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, that's a guy you got to look yeah. for to to possibly get on these on these swing pads or, you know, whatever, the end of rounds and all that sort of stuff because he's possibly a threat with his feet more than he is with his, with his routes. Yeah, if he's in the game, then, like – you know, there's a good chance that uh, they're going to try to go to him. Uh, so. I am on clip 15 or on our run down yep. here. Uh, yeah, go for it. So I think this is. Oh, this is, yeah, this is the same play. Yeah. But my point being, like, you know, these were the types of plays that they were busting against Ohio State. Um, I mean, this offense put up 42 points on Ohio State, right? And. It's like, how did that happen? I, you know, that's how it happened. But yeah, they would, uh, they like Mac McNamara is not a great downfield thrower, but he's good on those boundary throws, like you just saw there. Um, and this is kind of an example like, he doesn't really burn you in one on one opportunities on the outside that much. So I think Georgia can afford to play one on one on the outside. He is faster than. You might think, though. Um, and he's good at recognizing when there's opportunities to run. He will take six or seven yards on first down if you give it to him. So something Georgia has to be aware of. He does have a tendency to, to take off when there's a chance. And then, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if if Georgia yeah. – oh, yeah, if you play them soft, then – like they'll they'll take these all day. Like that's what they're really good at is just taking what you give them. So you can't give them easy six, seven yards on first and ten because then they've got you in second and three. And then that's when they're able to create those big plays like we're talking about. So right. but yeah, here's, if you're, here's what we're going to see when I get him off, you know, even as good as he's been under pressure, he's not as good with when he's right. got time to like, throw. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, the Michigan offensive line has been much heralded coming into this game. Like, But this is a five-man rush, and they get overwhelmed pretty quickly. Um, Ohio State does not have a dominant, like, Joey Bosa or 
Nick Bosa or Chase Young kind of guy right now, like they have in years past, but like they have similar type of athletes and similar type of edge rushers to what Georgia has. And like, they were able to move him at times when they brought pressure. But uh, yeah, I, I think like if you're Georgia, getting him off the spot is a big deal because he's not great once he starts having to, to move and then throw. So uh, yeah, breathe. Hell, dude. No, you, I'm good. Let's. You, uh, you, you just went like 40 plays on uh, Michigan. I know. That's impressive. Uh, you do have some notes on, you know, some of the plays we've seen uh, from Georgia. Yeah, from Georgia. Ready, so, I mean. You get into these? Yeah, let's roll through them. And you can just let them play. So, I think, in my opinion, Georgia can abuse the inside linebackers. Um, James Cook, James Cook, James Cook. Like, you can do this all day. Please, God. Give him the ball 15 to 20 times. Let him, you know, motion out wide and catch beautiful rainbow bombs off the arm of Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels or whoever's back there. Because Michigan doesn't have dudes like him on defense that are going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, the other thing about those linebackers not being great in coverage is, and same with their safeties, Brock Bowers often gets line, matched up on linebackers and safeties. I think that's a huge advantage for Georgia in this game. Um, and then, yeah, Michigan is a pull-heavy team, like we were talking about earlier in the run game. They run a lot of counters, and they try to do a lot of power. And I think that last time we saw Georgia play one of those, they abused them and blew it up. So I think you can see Georgia at times possibly, like, disrupt some of these blocking schemes before they even get started. Um, you're just not going to gut Georgia up the middle over and over like you did Ohio State. Going back to the end of rounds, Georgia saw a lot of that this year with Wandale Robinson. They handled it well. I think Robinson is shiftier and faster than anybody that Michigan has. And then, yeah, I do think Georgia can run the ball on these guys. And I think, you know, the weakness of that D line is the D tackles. The weakness of Georgia's offensive line is the guards. That bodes well for Georgia. If you get a stalemate at that, at that position, I think you're happy. Um, and I think you can get out on the edges like like you do right here. And Georgia has gotten on the edges a lot this year. Um, they have done that. And hey, wait, 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 that's not Stetson. Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, I think if Stetson is struggling, that we will see one JT Daniels. Um, and, you know, he can also roll the pocket just pour, fine. Pour one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not saying Stetson will struggle. I think that like there's a a pretty clean game plan for him that he should be able to if he stays within the boundaries of have a lot of success. Um, I, I think I think you know to going back to it, it's like I don't even think it's a bad thing if we see both quarterbacks. I think they know. I don't either. Yeah, I, I think they know they they somebody needs to be repped. You know, I mean. Uh, Alabama's had to go to their backup quarterback a couple times versus us um, in big games. So, and JT needs, you know, snaps if he's going to be there, even if it's just quarterback too. So, um, you know, it's, it's wild to think about, you know, even the hint of a quarterback rotation, you know, with all the drama and all the talk about it. But, you know, I, I think personally, I like, <laughs> you know, where I stand on it. <laughs> I'm trying to tiptoe around it, uh, but I, I Talk certainly hope. Talk about it. Let's hear it. Uh, I certainly hope that we that, look. Uh, there's no Georgia fan that actually isn't cheering for 
Stetson Bennett, this idea that he's being trashed by the fan base. And I mean, sure, there's a lot of negativity out there, but this we want to win a national championship. And we've been had our hearts stepped on multiple times over the last 10 years by Alabama. And we've seen the Stetson Bennett job not get it done. I mean, yeah, we can go back through and say, yeah, the Georgia defense gave up 40 plus in both those games in 2020 and 2021. But, you know, the average, uh, playoff winner scores 40 plus every game in the in the playoff and the average losing team scores 21 and georgia has put up 24 28 23 against alabama and play and postseason games and i do think that we're gonna have to score um at least 30 to beat alabama and we may need to score 30 to beat michigan for all we know and stuff now i don't care who it is i, I don't care who it is i don't like you know jackson Muschamp. just give me 30 points uh i i just i, I do think that my my biggest complaint is okay. Well, if Stetson Bennett's the guy, as Monken said, who gives us the best chance to win, I, I, to me that sounds like a little bit of an indictment. If if JT's one hundred percent healthy, uh, and Stetson Bennett's your best quarterback, somebody's not doing their job, or well, or there's issue. There's issue. Hang on, hang on. Let me finish. The, or there's issues that we aren't privy to. Uh, but. It, it's my, my, I've said it a bunch. Uh, I'll say it again. It's like we spend $3 million a year on recruiting and we have uh, a former walk on its quarterback. And that, in my opinion, that's not good roster management. I love, I love Stetson. I want him, if he can win it, great. That's awesome. I'm here for the Disney movie, but I have doubts that he can pull us over the top. All right. I'm out. I'm not out. No, there. you're good. I mean, I, I think like, Anyone expected Todd Monken to go up there today yeah. and say anything no. different than what he did? Then not me. Like you're denying the just who what football coaches are at their core and exactly. you know their general nature. And like if you think that if he was even if JT was planning on if they were planning on giving him a hundred percent of the snaps on Friday night, there's no way in hell anyone would walk <laughs> up there and saying that today. <laughs> no. uh, and and if they were planning on doing it, it would be even more reason to go up there and talk nicely about Stetson Bennett so yeah you're, you're whatever right. you know it is what it is um just just leave the kid alone you know what I mean like whatever if he's in the game it's he's not the one that chooses whether he's in the game or not so I get I get the frustration from everybody and I'm not saying leave the kid alone towards you I don't feel like you know I know you haven't been like you know mean about him or anything like that it's just um yeah, I, I think that the reality of this game is he's either going to start like he's going to start and he's either going to play really well and George is going to win or he's going to start and he's going to struggle and JT Daniels is going to come in. Uh, but that was not the case with this football team a month ago, six weeks ago, two months ago, in my personal opinion. I think that, you know, there was a time there where uh, – it really wouldn't matter what Stetson did. Like he was going to come out for that next series, no matter what. So, you know, I think that if you're a Georgia fan, you should also realize like the coaching staff wants to win this national title just as much, if not more so than you do. And I think that uh, they're going to pull the trigger if they have to pull the trigger. So we'll see what happens on Friday, but it'll be fascinating. And I am sure that everyone will be talking about it for, a long time to come because that's what we do around here is dissect the quarterback situation instead of appreciate a generational defense. Um, but 
that's you know that's my own problem too. i think there's plenty of love going all around for these, these i know i'm just know. kidding <laughs> so let's uh you know what what do you think happens on friday uh here i'll let me just throw up my little fancy score prediction sheet here. i saw that little fancy score prediction sheet i liked it um i did this for the alabama game didn't work out too well um <laughs> Um, so I, I was looking at some of these numbers and it's like explosive plays or, or, or explosive rating is the EPA for each successful play you have on offense or one you allow on defense. Georgia is averaging just over 30 successful plays on offense. Uh, Michigan's allow, is getting 33 successful plays on offense. Georgia's only allowing, even after the Alabama game, just under 20 successful plays on defense and Michigan's allowing 25. Now those actually counting towards points on the scoreboard, both Michigan and Alabama and all, most of the teams in the playoff um, are getting 1.2 points on the scoreboard for each of those successful plays. So I don't think that, um, that Georgia is going to need or expect to have 30 plus nor is Michigan. So I'm, I'm going to say that Georgia is going to have the better defense. I mean, better, better offense, uh, 28 successful plays, and I'm going to give them uh, 0.8 points per successful play, giving them about 23. Um, and then I think Georgia is going to hold Michigan to under 25 under their season average. And they're actually going to make it harder to score, less explosive plays, less big chunk plays. And uh, that 0.6 per successful play, 15 points. So there's my little nerd math on it. So 23-15 right there on the number. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is. Um, I think it was creeping up, but um, my – my gut I think it's me. in the 40s. Yeah, uh, that's 38. So I, I like the under, and uh, I still, I don't know, that seven and a half hook makes me worried uh, if you're if you're betting that because it's holding at seven and a half. So certainly, if it gets to seven or six and a half, I would jump on the dogs. Um, I would probably just play the under um, and stay away from the points. Or you know, I guess Michigan in the hook is pretty tempting. I gotta say, it is tempting. Um, do you have any red zone numbers on Michigan? Um, give me a second. If you'll vamp well, for it's a yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, okay. So, I mean, I think that that's a big, like a big deal in this game. Uh, Michigan is gonna crack a player or two here and there, I think. But the, I think what's important is that, like, you tackle these guys on the on the fifteen instead of letting them score. Um, because I, I do think that a big part of their success has been being able to score from far away. And I do think they struggle in the red zone, especially when they're playing against teams that they can't just, you know, run it up the gut on and say, okay, we're just better than you up front and, and we're going to push you around. So that I think is a big key for the Georgia defense. Here's the deal, man. And I like, I think Michigan is a good football team. Um, they're deserving of being in this playoff just as much as anyone else. But the reality is that everyone has sort of created this opinion on Michigan based off of the results of that Ohio state game. And if you go back and look at Michigan season, just that result was not maybe indicative like We've, we've framed Ohio State as the Ohio State program that we've known for the last few years, and this Ohio State team just wasn't that good. They gave up 40-something points to Minnesota or 35 to Minnesota first first night of the season on that Thursday in late August. Uh, they gave up 40-something to Oregon, who 
struggled to score like in the mid twenties against Cal. So I say all that just to say that Michigan's offense is, is fine, but I don't think there's anything they can do to, to really take advantage of any specific matchups on Georgia's defense. I do expect to see uh, Brenny back in the star position. I expect to see Christopher Smith back in that safety position. I think that that is a very good thing for Georgia. Um, and I do think you'll see some other, you know, the guys will rotate in and out and all that, but I think that those guys will be in there in, in some key moments, but I just have a hard time figuring out how Michigan scores points in this game. You know, at the end of the day, uh, that's what this comes down to. And I think, I think that Georgia, you know, there's too many good athletes on the field when you go from tight ends to running backs to wide receivers, there's enough matchups there that I think Georgia can take advantage of. And I think that Georgia can run the ball on this Michigan defense with some, you know, regularity. Like, I don't think that they're just going to pop them for 78 yards every down over and over. But I do think this is the type of defense that uh, a team with Georgia's backs can bust a big, long run on. And I also think this is the type of defense where if you get somebody the ball in space on the outside, they have a, a good chance of of making someone in the second level miss and turn it into a big play. So I like Georgia's chances on offense. Um, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? No, I, I, actually Michigan's 52% success rate inside the, the 20. Uh, but passing the ball, they're 37% success rate. Kind of like, it, you know, if, it, kind of to your point, it's like they're going to have to run the ball, and that's what they want. The majority of their production is significant proportion. Of, you know, only 24 passing touchdowns the whole season. So, yeah, they yeah. want to run the ball, and that's how they want to score. And obviously, well-documented, that's what Georgia does well. It's the number two rush defense by success rate against the rush. Um, and they 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 played Wisconsin, and they were okay against Wisconsin, but certainly didn't um, run the ball at will on them. Uh, so, I, I to your point, I just I don't know how they can do that uh, against Georgia consistently. They're they're going to definitely have some drives, and don't think don't forget Camarda flipping field. Georgia's owned the field position battle the most of the year, and in a game like this where, with this type of offense and th- these kinds of defenses, that can be critical. Uh, you know, making them go ten or fifteen more yards each each drive can be the difference in you know a comfortable win or a close win or or a loss or a, a win overall. And Camarda, yeah, one hundred percent. Camarda played really well uh, against Alabama. He got a couple boomers in there. He did, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, right, like, it's just I, – I think that, like, Michigan is going to have a hard time scoring points. And I, I, I think that Georgia has been better than anyone in the country at not giving up long plays. And in the few instances where they have given up long pass plays – to anyone not named Jamison Williams, who's about to be a top 10 pick in the next NFL draft and runs a four freaking two, which no one on Michigan does, they are making tackles at the 15 or the 12, and they're they're shutting you down and they're forcing you into a fourth down situation or kicking a field goal. And I think that Georgia's offense uh, is, is probably better than we've all given it credit for throughout most of the year. Um, they scored 24 points against Bama, but – like they move the ball all day. And I think that, you know, they can, they can move the ball on Michigan. And I think that unlike an Ohio state who 
didn't have the defense to shut down that run game and found themselves way behind and found themselves having to throw on every down. Like Georgia will remain balanced throughout this game, and I don't think they'll be in a game state that really takes them out of whatever they want to do. And I think that Todd Mockin is a, you know, this is kind of a chance for him to sort of like pitch his own little masterpiece because this will be a game where it's punch, counter punch, and you don't want to be predictable for either team. And I think he's very good at disguising what what's coming and not telegraphing play calls. So I, I think that this game will – like I, I look at what Georgia did this year against everybody not named Alabama or Clemson – and the truth is, like, Georgia did a really good job early in games. Um, they didn't, like, play with their food, so to speak, too often. I feel like this game might be 7-10 points at, at halftime type situation. Um, and then it's type of deal where, like, maybe Georgia comes out third quarter and, and scores once or twice or scores three and out kind of you know it, it, i could see this being a game where it's seven points the whole time and it feels like michigan can never ever catch up but i'm more inclined to think that georgia is gonna kind of pull away and there's gonna be a a couple drives in a row at some point where they go and score touchdowns or a you know a turnover or something like that so i am going uh georgia i'm gonna say I'm gonna go 31 to I'm gonna go 30, <laughs> 31 to 10. You're gonna get some comments. You didn't have your score ready, dude. The no, I, <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, like I do kind of the ballpark, but I yeah, know. I mean I, I was torn between 31 and 34, but I just yeah, I just don't know how Michigan scores a bunch of points. Right. And I mean, like who, you know, I your, could be who, wrong. We'll see. Who's your, who's your MVP? Uh, I think Zamir. I think Zamir White or James Cook. I think. I think. We're I was. Gonna, I was going to say yeah. we're going to. We're not going to throw the ball thirty times. Uh, there's going to be a lot of carries. Uh, and I don't know about that. I don't no? know. I mean, I think there will be a lot of carries, but I think that Georgia might have the ball a lot in this football. Oh, game. do you? So I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be you know sub sixty or right at sixty you know uh, touches or sixty plays on offense for Georgia and around that for 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 michigan so i'm just thinking you know 30 i can see 28 to 32 you know past a rush um and you know 32 what's that going to give you 17 18 carries for zamir white you know if he gets six yards of carry that's a big game i can see that yeah uh, i mean i think the real mvps of this game are going to be jalen carter Devonte wyatt trevon walker jordan davis uh i think the guy that like they give the trophy to on the stage at the end of the night I'm go- I would say either James Cook um, or or maybe like Brock. Yeah, Howard's, no, I mean, you know, I mean Brock is the I, obvious, obvious. I I think I think Georgia's going to run the ball though. I do. I think we're going to. Yeah. And I think it's going to be one of these. Oh, we're going to talk about the quarterback. We're going to talk about the quarterback, and it's going to be, uh, you know, line up, pound it, and have success on the ground game, and make the quarterback sort of play kind of boot. Um, even though if we we and I. We might see both quarterbacks, but I do think that Georgia's going to run the ball. This- yeah, and one thing I noticed about this Michigan defense is, like, there's there were times this year where a team was running their offense, like, heavily through one player, and Michigan got so distracted with that player that they kind of forgot everything else was going on. So it's like, 
I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a big play from Darnell Washington. Um, love, God, I'd love to see that. I, I think that's very possible. I don't, like, I, I personally though think that Georgia can, can kind of like do some things to them in the passing game that maybe a lot of people aren't expecting. Um, and I think that like these defensive backs, if Georgia has a quarterback in the game who can throw the ball into windows on the sidelines downfield, that there will be plenty of opportunities to do that to open wide receivers. So I could see George Pickens coming in and like having, you know, a couple of big plays and maybe only being on the field for 15, 20 snaps in a game or something like that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, I'm very certain that I think Michigan's going to have a hard time to score. Uh, so, and, and I also, one other bold prediction, if I may, not necessarily a prediction, but uh, like, remember the before the Florida game when I was like, you know, Anthony Richardson does this thing that I think is going to lead to a pick six for Georgia. And then Georgia had the pick six before the half. Um, I'm not quite that confident in this one, but I do think that there is a, a chance for Georgia to have a, a pick six on McNamara, especially if like, especially if Georgia gets up in this game, kind of puts a little pressure on them and they have to start passing or if this running game's not working and they got to drop back 30 or 40 times. Dude, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's book in it. Chris, let's, let's book in it. Chris Smith pick six is starting. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. The official ambassador to dog sports live. We haven't forgot about That's you. Right. We love you. All right. Uh, <laughs> So, Graham, thank you for running through all those plays. Um, you know, thank you. We've been busy, busy doing a lot of things with real life, work life, and otherwise. So, we appreciate all you guys hanging in there. We're sorry for all you Michigan fans that are going to talk to us that we don't know all your players' names by heart. Uh, but you know, thanks for watching. We enjoy the click and the view, no matter what. Uh, we we love you guys. We love what we do. Uh, and you know, Graham, we, we talked about maybe doing a spaces. You want to do a spaces tomorrow once this thing gets out for twenty four yeah. hours. And, yeah, yeah. and yuck it up so if you're still here uh you can see uh you can talk about our show tonight or anything else we got going on and, and we'll have the dog out west live on spaces uh you've done you've we'll done. have the dog stats as well for the record it'd be fun all right graham anything else before we get out of here uh i will just say that uh that is josh hancher you can find him on twitter.com at dog underscore stats you should go and follow him does incredible work and he makes me look smart which is no small feat uh i am graham coffee you can find me on twitter at dog out west please go on youtube or whatever podcast platform you prefer apple spotify and follow our show dog sports live um your your you know your likes your follows your comments your you know subscriptions whatever it is you want to call it uh, it all goes a long way. It all helps us. And if you like our show and you enjoy our stuff, tell your friends about it and share it with people because uh, that's, that's how we grow. All right. I think we got one more in the books. Hopefully we'll have a, uh, maybe a recap and a preview still to go. So Yes. Uh, Knock on wood. Go With that, go dogs. And uh, maybe we'll check you guys out on the spaces tomorrow night. We'll see you guys on Twitter.com tomorrow night.